Hey, Wiki listeners, it's Rachel. And Victor, did you know I host the fantastic NYC talent show every Monday night at the Parkside Lounge in New York City? It's an off-off Broadway showcase where you can see New York's underground performance art up close. We've got weekly special guests like Colin Quinn, Janine Garofalo, Tone Bell, and lots more. Use the code WIKILISTEN for a special discount on tickets when you go to nyctalentshow.com. That's nyctalentshow.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Wikipedia page for nominative determinism. Welcome to Wikilisten, the podcast where we read Wikipedia pages and provide commentary. I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW. And I'm Victor Bernardo, KSN, reminding you all to subscribe. That's right, everybody. Subscribe so that you can hear us pronounce words correctly. I'd like to thank my brother, Jeffrey Teichman, for suggesting this article. Thank you, Jeffrey. Well, if it isn't all Jeffrey Teichman back again. What was that accent? That was uh, Irish. Oh, okay. So we won't be reading this entire page because it's too long, but we're going to read some interesting parts of it. Nominative determinism. Nominative determinism is the hypothesis that people tend to gravitate towards areas of work that fit their names. The term was first used in the magazine New Scientist in 1994 after the magazine's humorous feedback column noted several studies carried out by researchers with remarkably fitting surnames. These included a book on polar explorations by Daniel Snowman and an article on urology by researchers named Splat and Whedon. These and other examples led to lighthearted speculation that some sort of psychological effect was at work. Since the term appeared, nominative determinism has been an irregularly recurring topic in New Scientist as readers continue to submit examples. Nominative determinism differs from the related concept aptronym and its synonyms aptonym, name freak, and perfect fit last name captured by the Latin phrase nomen es omen, the name is a sign in that it focuses on causality. Aptronym merely means the name is fitting without saying anything about why it has come to fit. 
So that means that nominative determinism is a type of aptronym, but an aptronym is not a type of nominative determinism. I suppose that's correct. I think so. I'm trying to understand. The idea that people are drawn to professions that fit their name was suggested by psychologist Carl Jung, citing an example, Sigmund Freud, who studied pleasures and whose surname means joy. A few recent empirical studies have indicated that certain professions are disproportionately represented by people with appropriate surnames and sometimes given names, though the methods of these studies have been challenged. One explanation for nominative determinism is implicit egotism, which states that humans have an unconscious preference for things they associate with themselves. I think that's probably pretty true. Although, if you want to talk about nominative nominative determinism in names, Leslie Ware uh, works in fashion, and her name sounds like Ware. That's true. And she's your wife, too. That is true. She is my wife. What does your name mean? Um, I don't know. Well, my last name, Teichman, essentially translates to, like, person of water, person of pond, like, basically person of body of water. And before I ever knew that, I've always loved to be in and around water. Okay. So it's an example. Not really. No. We're talk- they're talking about occupations. Being in and around water is not an occupation, unless you're a lifeguard, which you're not. How do you know? Background. In history, before people could gravitate towards areas of work that matched their names, many people were given names that matched their area of work. The way people are named has changed over time. In pre-urban times, people were only known by a single name. For example, the Anglo-Saxon name Bernhardt. Single names were chosen for their meaning or given as nicknames. In England, it was only after the Norman Conquest that surnames appear to have been used, with pre-conquest individual relying on a number of by names that were not hereditary, such as Edmund Ironside. Surnames were created to fit the person, mostly from patronyms, e.g. John, son of William, becomes John Williamson. Occupational descriptions, e.g. John Carpenter. Character or traits, e.g. John Long. Or location, e.g. John from Acton, became John Acton. Names were not initially hereditary. Only by the mid-14th century did they gradually become so. Surnames relating to trades or craft were the first to become hereditary, as the craft often persisted within the family for generations. The appropriateness of occupational names has decreased over time, because tradesmen did not always follow their fathers. An early example from the 14th century is Roger Carpenter the Pepperer. A pepperer is... pepper being one of the items sold. Oh, so like a a grocer. Yeah, but it's funny that, like... He's probably like, I'm not going into carpentry, Dad. I'm going to be a pepper. And so it was. Congratulations, Roger. Good job, Roger. Another aspect of naming was the importance attached to the wider meaning contained in a name. In 17th century England, it was believed that choosing a name for a child should be done carefully. Children should live according to the message contained in or the meaning of their names. In 1652... William Jenkin, an English clergyman, argued that first names should be, quote, as a thread tied around the finger to make us mindful of the errand we came into the world to do for our master. In 1623, at a time when Puritan names such as Faith, 
fortitude and grace were appearing for the first time, English historian William Camden wrote that names should be chosen with, quote, good and gracious significations, as they might inspire the bearer to good actions. With the rise of the British Empire, the English naming system and English surnames spread across large portions of the globe. By the beginning of the 20th century, Smith and Taylor were two of the three most frequently occurring English surnames. Both were occupational, though few Smiths and Taylors remained. When a correspondence between a name and an occupation did occur, it became worthy of note. In an 1888 issue of the Kentish Notebook magazine, a list appeared with, quote, several carriers by the name of Carter, a hosier named Hosegood, an auctioneer named Sales, and a draper named Cuff. Since then, a variety of terms for the concept of a close relationship between name and occupation have emerged. The term aptronym is thought to have been coined in the early 20th century by the American newspaper columnist Franklin P. Adams. Linguist Frank Newsell coined aptonym without an R in 1992. Other synonyms include euonym, perfect fit last name, PFLN, and name freak, spelled with a PH. Nice. In literary science, a name that particularly suits a character is called a characonym. Notable authors who frequently used characonyms as a stylistic technique include Charles Dickens, e.g., Mr. Gradgrind, the tyrannical schoolmaster, and William Shakespeare, e.g. the lost baby Perdita in The Winter's Tale. Sometimes this is played for laughs, as with the character Major 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 in Joseph Heller's Catch-22, who was named Major 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 by his father as a joke, and then was later in life promoted to Major by, quote, an IBM machine with a sense of humor almost as keen as his father's. Unlike nominative determinism, the concept of aptronym and its, and its synonym do not say anything about causality, such as why the name has come to fit. Because of the potentially humorous nature of aptronyms, a number of newspapers have collected them. San Francisco Chronicle columnist Herb Kane reported irregularly on reader-submitted gems, including substitute teachers Mr. Fillin, piano teacher Patience Scales, and the Vatican spokesman on the evils of rock and roll, Cardinal Rapsong. Similarly, the journalist Bob Levy on occasion listed examples sent in by readers of his column in the American newspaper. The Washington Post, a food industry consultant named Faith Popcorn, a lieutenant called Sergeant and Tax Accountant called Shelby Goldgrab. <laughs> really? No, really? that's, that's their name. That's their name. Uh, that's their name. I want to look up the history of that name. Of Shelby Goldgrab? Yeah, because <laughs> that is certainly not an anglicized version of an immigrant's last name. I don't know. I don't know where that. That's just really funny. That's just crazy. A Dutch newspaper. Het Parool had an irregularly featured column named Women Est Omen with Dutch examples. Individual name collectors have also published books of aptronyms. Onomastic scholar R.M. Remnick called for more verification of aptronyms appearing in newspaper columns and books. Lists of aptronyms in science, medicine, and law are more reliable as they tend to be drawn from easily verifiable sources. 
Sorry, I was just looking up the name Gold Grab. Wiki listeners, you can support us by listening to this message. While you change your last name to Wikilisten, because you Wikilisten to us all the time. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Thank you for listening to that message, everybody. Now let's get to the rest of this nonsense. Okay, so now we're jumping all the way down to the last section of the subsection empirical evidence within the section research. In 2015, researchers Lim, 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 and Lim published a paper on their study into the effect of surnames on medical specialization. They looked at 313,445 entries in the medical register from the General Medical Council and identified surnames that were apt for the speciality. For example, Lim for an orthopedic surgeon and doctor for medicine in general. They found that the frequency of names relevant to medicine and to subspecialties were much greater than expected by chance. Specialties that had the largest proportion of names specifically relevant to that specialty were those for which the English language has provided a wide range of alternative terms for the same anatomical parts or functions thereof. Specifically, these were genitorinary medicine, e.g. Hardwick and Woodcook, and urology, e.g. Burns, Cox, Ball. Neurologists had names relevant to medicine in general, but far fewer had names directly relevant to their specialty, one in every 302. Lim, 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 and Lim did not report on looking for any confounding variables. In 2010, Abel came to a similar conclusion. In one study, he compared doctors and lawyers whose first or last names began with three-letter combinations representative of their professions. For example, doc, law, and likewise found a significant relationship between name and profession. Abel also found that the initial letters of physicians' last names were significantly related to their subspecialty. For example, Raymonds were more likely to be radiologists than dermatologists. As for Kastler's third possible explanation for normative determinism, genetics researchers Voracek, Reeder, Steiger, and Swamy found some evidence for it in 2015. They reported that today's Smiths still tend to have the physical capabilities of their ancestors who were Smiths. People called Smith reported above-average aptitude for strength-related activities a similar aptitude for dexterity-related activities among people with the surname Taylor. 
or equivalent spellings thereof was found, but it was not statistically significant in the researchers' view. A genetic social hypothesis appears more viable than the hypothesis of implicit egotism effects. Interesting. So I looked up、um, the origin of the name Varnado, and it is of French origin.、Um, comes from Old French personal name Bernard,、uh, which comes from Germanic elements "bern" meaning bear and "hard" meaning brave or strong.、Um, and so it, over time,、um, like turned into Varnado. Oh, so I'm, I'm a strong bear. Yep. I'm Victor Strong Bear. Yeah. You know, next time I have a character in Dungeons and Dragons, I'll name them Strong Bear. That's interesting that your name is French. Well, I mean,、uh, the name comes from like the Creole area, so. Oh well, that would make sense. Well, thank you, Jeffrey Teichman, my brother, once again for suggesting another great article. I really like this one. I think it was a good article. I like the ending where I I think that there should be a comic book. Where it's all different families, and by their names they have different abilities. So, like the Smiths are all strong, and the Taylors are all like super fast. Yeah, I had a feeling you would like this article, especially that last part. All right, great. Yeah, this has been the Wikipedia page for nominative determinism. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. You can find us at wikilisten dot com and on all social media and on TikTok at Wikilisten. So for X, which is wiki underscore listen. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really helps us out. Check us out on YouTube for more content, and don't forget to smash that subscribe button with your last name meaning. If there's a particular page you'd like us to read, let us know. We will read it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen. Premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.